Hello again, and welcome back to Unwarp Reality, a podcast designed to help us see not through, but around the looking glass. As we mentioned in episode one, our goal is to help unpack the manipulation and bias in the way that the mainstream media report stories. If you're curious for more background, please take a listen to episode one, where we explain in more detail the motivation and goals for the project. You can find it on our Substack or YouTube channels under Unwarp Reality. That's U-N-W-A-R-P Reality. By the way, I'm Liz, cybersecurity specialist, cultural anthropologist, and world traveler calling in from New York City. And I'm Becca, a psychologist, leadership coach, and social critic coming to you from Chicago. It's great to have you back with us. If you want to know more about who we are, please check out the bio page on our Substack. Now, in previous episodes, we mentioned the importance of paying attention to what gets included in stories and what gets left out, and additionally highlighted the importance of word choice, the intentional selection of vocabulary designed to influence perception. We're going to continue with these ideas today. Yeah, and in the last episode, we discussed election reporting, and we focused on headlines and those breaking news notifications because those are designed to deliver the important information in a story as succinctly as possible. But as we saw, they were also used as a means to tell us as information consumers how to interpret the election results, not just the facts of what happened. And as we know, these headlines and short blurbs are often all that a lot of people read when they're taking in the news. Right, exactly. So in this episode, we're going to start right there, again, looking at some differences in the wording of headlines, but we're also going to go a bit deeper to look at how the choice of what to include within an article can demonstrate an attempt to bias understanding as well. And the theme for this episode is messages about race. Yeah, and as we are all aware, race is a contentious topic. So again, remember, our goal here is not to influence the way that you feel about any particular issue. We're just trying to highlight the bias in how information is reported so that you're better equipped to evaluate the evidence and then make up your own mind on the topic. So let's get started. Okay, so what I'm going to do again is read two different headlines And as we asked you to in the previous episode, please try to consider what's different about the specific information that's included. Both are related to similar events, those of police violence. Headline one, taken from the New York Times, January 26th, 2023. Breaking news, five Memphis police officers were charged with the murder following the death of a 29-year-old Black man after an encounter with the officers this month. Headline two, from the New York Times, December 15th, 2022. Breaking news, white officer found guilty of killing black woman in her home. Okay, um, so the most obvious thing that stands out to me um, is that the race of the victim is noted in both of those headlines, but the race of the police um, is only noted in one. So in the second one, we're told the officer's white, but in the first one, we know there are five officers, but we don't know their race. So at this point, most of us are aware that these five officers are black, but it's not told to us initially in these headlines. So this is inconsistent. Is the race of the officer important to tell us or is it not? 
it shouldn't only be relevant when the race supports the larger narrative about systemic violence and white supremacy that we see over and over in the mainstream media reporting. Exactly. So it seems really clear that it is important for the New York Times to communicate to readers who is being victimized and who's doing the victimizing, but particularly, and it's seemingly only, when the racial demographics match what will comport with and inflame the reader's emotions in consistency with that narrative that you mentioned. So again, to be clear, we are not intending to make any statements about the differential use of force by police officers against persons of different racial groups. Our point is simply that the choice to include or not include the race of the police officers is deliberate, and one should wonder about the reason why. Yeah, exactly. And that why is an important question for us to consider, not just when we're looking at the headlines, but also when we read articles themselves. Wait a minute, are we actually going into an article this time? Yeah, why not? So right now there's a discussion in Florida about changing the way that diversity, equity, and inclusion programs operate, and also how race-related issues are incorporated into college curricula. And you've probably seen some of these stories yourself. As journalist Andrew Sullivan commented on Twitter uh, on January 31st, if you read the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, or NBC, you'll probably think that DeSantis has banned the teaching of African-American history in Florida. He then says, their intent is to mislead you. So then the question is, what's the real story? Okay, well, the real story is that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is not proposing a ban on teaching African-American history, but rather is proposing changes to the content of such courses, for example, by limiting the inclusion of critical race theory. However, The Guardian released an article on February 2nd with the headline, Ron DeSantis announces plan to block DEI programs in state colleges, along with the subheading, the Florida governor's latest attack comes on the heels of a ban on an AP course in African-American studies in high schools. Okay, well, if I only read that, I would think exactly what Sullivan was insinuating, that DeSantis is getting rid of DE&I and banning African-American AP courses. But then depending where you go to read further, you may find information that does help to clarify. So some articles in the New York Times actually did in fact, uh, to use the words of one Twitter user, include fair and balanced coverage. And they explained that, no, the intent was not to ban African-American history. However, here's where we see a problem. Many people often don't read past the headlines, as we've noted previously, and Just to look at more headline info, even within the New York Times itself, they ran an opinion piece on the 31st of January called uh, Ron DeSantis Wants to Erase Black History. Why? So based on this headline evidence alone, it would seem that their intent is actually to have their readers primed to misunderstand the facts. Yeah, and this is sadly unsurprising. If you remember the Central Park Birdwatcher Oh my God, don't bring that up. <laughs> okay, I, I won't. And then moving on, right? So in any event, and also to move away from critiquing the New York Times and returning us back to The Guardian, in the headline that I mentioned earlier, we talked about the importance of verb choice, which can imply judgment. So when The Guardian says the Florida governor's latest attack, the use of the word attack alerts the reader that they should view DeSantis's actions as wrong and aggressive. 
And when combined with the larger headline that he plans to block DEI programs, this sends the clear message that an evildoer is on a warlike campaign to rid Florida schools of all that is good. And there we go, back to that good old hero-villain narrative framing. But okay, let's go beyond that headline and dive into the article itself. So the Guardian coverage is heavily slanted. And actually, (laughs) this one includes some reporting at a level that one would pretty much expect from a high school paper. I think maybe even junior high. Okay, well, I was trying to be generous, but... um, So, for example, they mentioned that when DeSantis was teaching in a private high school in Georgia, he was remembered for, quote, his controversial view on the Civil War. Now, this is minimally relevant, if at all, to the current concerns about the legislation, but it's more about painting him in a certain light. But my personal favorite from this article, and it actually made me laugh out loud when I read it, was when they quoted one of his former students saying that DeSantis quote, was mean to me and hostile towards me. Now, honestly, this sounds like a child crying to their mom or a teacher on a playground, and it's the equivalent of printing rumors. So there's no indication of exactly what the mistreatment was or any evidence to prove that it actually occurred. Yeah, and there likely couldn't be the presentation of any evidence. These events, if they occurred, took place during the 2001-2002 school year. So significant time ago. And as a psychologist- It's like what? That's like two decades ago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So there's tons of problems with including this in a piece of reporting. First, memory is notoriously unreliable and demonstrably influenced by current perceptions and beliefs. So since DeSantis has been vilified as anti-Black, it is not unexpected that the memories of at least some would now be biased to view his past behavior through this filter. For example, the student claimed the mistreatment, the meanness, was because she was Black. Now, a target has no real knowledge of why someone treated them in a particular way because they're not privy to the motivations for individual behavior. They can only speculate. In fact, if this person was treated meanly, the reasons could be many, none of which are necessarily tied to race. And lastly, we are under no obligation to believe that this individual actually was treated meanly since one's experience is not reality. The rise of victimhood culture has led to more and more people viewing innocuous behavior as persecutorial, but that doesn't mean that their perception comports with reality. Okay, uh, there is a lot to unpack there. think you were almost going down a rabbit hole or <laughs> I tend I tend to do that. Yeah, but I mean it's these are all good points and and definitely things to be considered when reading any article, you know, and who's when being using quoted memory and why. from 20 years ago as evidence. Yeah, that's um yeah, it's suspect. I mean, I hope that someday someone comes and asks me for a quote about how you were behaving to me. When oh, we were I was kids. definitely I was definitely a meanie. Yeah, I've I've got some I've got some good ones lined up, but uh, anyway, whether or not DeSantis was actually a meanie when he was a teacher isn't even really the point of this article. So, what I would like to see and what I think you know we deserve is to have a discussion around what the actual proposed legislation is and what are the arguments for or against some of these changes. But instead, we're just told, okay, DeSantis is racist, and um, that, by virtue of some hearsay from decades ago, 
Um, so we shouldn't even bother to discuss the merits or demerits of his proposal. We need to just reject it out of hand as racist because he is, therefore it is. Yeah, exactly. And that really does appear to be the message in this article. Rather than helping us to understand the issue better by presenting evidence to critically evaluate the issue, they've taken away from us the ability to do so by filtering information and obscuring the facts. This is yet another example of reporting usurped by advocacy and ideology at the expense of promoting real depth of understanding. And this is a reminder of why it's so important for us to train ourselves to recognize when this manipulation is occurring so we can take the power back and educate ourselves on what's really happening. Yeah, exactly. So we need to train ourselves to rise above these attempts to have our thoughts uh, prepared for us and uh, to keep us misinformed so that we can uncritically accept whatever viewpoint they tell us we need to. Um, But anyway, it looks like we're out of time. So thank you once again for joining us. And we hope you will continue to listen as we continue on this journey to unwarp reality. Yep. Until next time. Bye. Bye.